Welcome to AR Reads, a podcast by the Architectural Review. Founded in 1896, the AR has set the international architecture agenda for over 120 years. The projects and essays featured in its pages addressing the critical ideas of the time. The AR Reads series brings you a piece from our vast archive, read out loud for you to enjoy. I am Lily Zajitsky, Assistant Editor at the Architectural Review, and today I will read a piece on Sylvia Crow by Jonathan Glancy, published in AR March 2017. The piece is part of our Reputation series, in which every issue we publish an essay looking back at the life, work, reputation and legacy of a prominent architect or influential thinker. Instead of a straightforward biography based on a list of projects, Reputations aims to reframe the life and work, ideas and actions of a particular subject. Following on from the publication of our February issue on gardens, but also as we go into production on our March issue on care and the W Awards, which celebrate the work of women in and around architecture, we have chosen to read this piece on Sylvia Crow, the 20th century British landscape architect of the modern garden, known for her gardens at the Commonwealth Institute in London, the Rutland Water Reservoir in East Anglia, and texts such as Garden Design and Tomorrow's Landscape. Some 15 years after the official opening of Rutland Water, Sylvia Crow asked friends who had been to see this four-square-mile reservoir, opened in 1976 and supplying water to half a million people in East Anglia, what they thought of its landscape treatment. What landscape treatment, they asked. We thought it was all natural. It certainly looks it. A realm of swans, gadwall, greylag geese and tufted ducks, of carp, pike, trout and eel girdled with woods of local oak and birch. The game is given away by such picturesque eye-catchers as the top half of a Corinthian classical church, St Matthew's Normanton, last rebuilt in the 1820s by Thomas Cundy Jr., appearing to float on the water. People sail here, their cars secreted in naturalistic landscape, the glare from their windscreens muted. It should be the aim of each of us, said Sylvia Crow, landscape architect, hands-on gardener and prolific author, to leave our chosen corner not more vulgar, but lovelier and more dignified after we have gone. Crow's aim was true. In a 60-year career, she worked a subtle magic on the landscapes of reservoirs and nuclear power stations, power transmission lines and crematoria, hospitals, sewage farms, new towns, motorway intersections and USAF bases from Berkshire to Suffolk. From 1964 to 76, Crow was landscape consultant to Britain's Forestry Commission and from 1948 to 58 to the Central Electricity Generating Board. Despite a formidable workload, she found time to design treasured gardens for private houses, parish churches and Oxford colleges. Wherever she went with her sketchbook, original mind and painterly eye, as far as Canberra, where she designed the Commonwealth Gardens and whether in fields of electricity pylons or the U-walks of English country houses, Her work was rooted in her maxims. Things must look right in the landscape. The look of inevitability is the hallmark of good design. The mark of a good landscape scheme is where you cannot readily see where the landscape architect had been at work. We are trying to make a land which people can enjoy, a land too where wildlife can flourish. Although she began her career planting private gardens for the privileged, if enlightened few, Crow became one of the finest and most productive landscape architects of the post-war public world, bringing the beauty and solace of nature to the most brutally functional and otherwise soulless new developments in and around modern buildings, townscapes and infrastructure. Twenty years after her death in 1997, her work can be seen and experienced in a cornucopia of very different places. 
in the Rose Garden of the Oxford Botanic Garden, planted as a celebration of the work of Howard Florey, the Australian Nobel laureate who turned penicillin into medicine. In the Snowdonian landscape, encircling the decommissioned, darkly magnificent Trosfinith nuclear power station, its monumental architecture conjured by Basil Spence. In the gardens of the Scottish Widows Insurance Company's head office, Edinburgh, another Spence design from 1976, rising from lakes and greenery in the guise of nine interlocking hexagons. What has gone, and unnecessarily so, is Crow's balletically poised modern garden in front of what was the Commonwealth Institute and is now London's Design Museum. The story of the uprooting of this rarest of things, an English modern movement urban public landscape, were documented by an outraged Timothy Britton Catlin in AR September 2016. Crow's own outrage, or concern for the ill-considered and often unthinking transformation of the British landscape, was expressed both in her work, A Counterattack on Banality and Brutality, and in articles and books published in the AR and for the Architectural Press. Her encroachment campaign of the late 1950s with the AR's Kenneth Brown was concerned with the visual blight caused by the insensitive sighting of dams and power stations, car parks and caravan sites. Encroachment proffered solutions that Crow put into practice. As for her books, these form a small library of their own. Tomorrow's Landscape, 1956, The Landscape of Power, 1958, The Landscape of Roads, 1960, for the architectural press, were matched by the much-reprinted Garden Design, 1958, Forestry in the Landscape, 1966, Gardens of Mughal India, 1972, and The Pattern of Landscape, 1988. Crow's ability to create natural or near enough natural landscapes for the most daunting modern buildings, irksome urban planning and insensitive infrastructure stemmed very much from her not going to school from the age of 11 when she developed TB that kept her at home in the sylvan embrace of Sussex. Born in Banbury, Oxfordshire in 1901, her father, Eyre Crow, was a box and cabinet file maker born in Warsaw, her mother Edith Stockton. Sylvia attended Berkhamsted School from 1908 to 1912. Zaha Hadid was there in the 1960s, before her health saw the family move to Felbridge, Sussex, where her father set up as a fruit farmer around Felmere, a house he built in an arts and crafts style derived from Lutchins and Voisey. When not being homeschooled by her mother, Sylvia sailed in summer and ice skated in winter on nearby Hedgecourt Lake, fringed with damp oak woods and laced with carpets of bluebells. During the First World War, she looked after a herd of cows and spent diligent and happy hours in the beautiful and romantic 350-acre natural gardens of Gravetime Manor, a late 16th-century Sussex house owned by the gardener and author William Robinson, whose books The English Flower Garden and The Wild Garden Crow treasured. Gravetie, its gardens thrive today, and although the house itself has long been a hotel, was, perhaps, Crow's most important school. She trained, though, in 1920-22 under Madeleine Agar at Swanley Horticultural College and was apprenticed to Edward White of Milner, Son & White, the London-based landscape architects, before working full-time for the delightfully named nurserymen and garden contractors William Cutbush & Son. It was with Cutbush that Crow designed a garden, listed Grade 2 today, at Lower Souton Hall, Flintshire. A balance of formal and informal elements, it set a tone for her work and made her name in gardening circles the same year, 1937. She won a gold medal at the Chelsea Flower Show with a garden design based on her beloved Bluebell Woods. Lower Souton Hall is now owned by the English footballer Michael Owen. Crow's garden is cherished. 
At the outbreak of the Second World War, after being elected to the Council of the Institute of Landscape Architects, Crow joined the all-women first aid nursing yeomanry and served under fire as an ambulance driver with a Polish army brigade in northern France. Back in England in 1940, she was with the Auxiliary Territorial Service until war ended. Setting up in a private practice in London in 1945, Crow was quickly in her element. As Britain rebuilt, often hastily and uncomfortably, she softened the border between old and new visions of its urban and rural landscapes. Modest, concise and funny, she became president of her institute, was made a dame in 1973, the last landscape architect to have received such an honour was Joseph Paxton in 1851, and drew students from across Europe and the US to her small studio in Gloucester Place. The destruction of the Commonwealth Institute garden has made Sylvia Crow known to a new generation of architects, yet despite its loss, her gardens and landscapes flourish. And with recent books with the global reach of Sonia Dumpleman and John Beardsley's Women, Modernity and Landscape Architecture 2015, and the tight focus of Unloved Landscapes, The Bristol Schemes of Sylvia Crow by Wendy Tippett 2014, Crow's reputation is blooming. Thank you for listening to AR Reads. You can find the link to this piece, as well as Timothy Britton-Catlin's outrage on the destruction of Crow's work at the former site of the Commonwealth Institute in London in the notes for this episode, or head to architectural-review.com for all the latest pieces uploaded to our website, including projects and essays featured in the AR February issue on gardens. The AR depends on its subscribers to bring you fearless storytelling, independent critical voices and thought-provoking projects from around the world. Consider supporting the AR with a subscription today. Visit architectural-review.com forward slash subscriptions to find out more. If you subscribe before 14th of February, you will even receive our March issue on Care plus the W Awards, featuring building studies of all the projects shortlisted for this year's W Awards, as well as essays on how care is given, received and distributed as labour, on the architecture of normative and alternative support structures, on caring for and with our built environment, and much, much more. Students receive 30% off.